When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, girl. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast that's <laughs> in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the virtual table to talk about sex, <sighs> identity, <laughs> what we like to read, and mm. who we like to read. Food for Thought. Is farting technically foreplay? No. Oh, my God. No. Thomas. Um, I think for Joe, yes. I I was with Bay last night and I was so gassy and he was so over it. (laughs) Trust me that it is the opposite of foreplay. But he still did let me fuck him last night. So you know what? Not mm. bad. There's a different stimulation. You mean it's like having a finger up there? It's like a little you move, move it around a is little this, bit. This, I mean? Having air in your bowels is not like being fingered. Yeah, I am so play a little bit. My so God. sorry, I, Thomas. No. Uh, welcome to what is it? Happy Nudes Day. Nudes Days today. We are oh, recording. Yeah. We are recording this episode on National Send Nudes Day, which is you know Woo! historic and definitely a real it, holiday. <laughs> These are brands. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've gotten I a couple good gotten, ones. Yeah. Let me tell you, yeah, I've gotten quite a few. And, you know, if you're listening to this and it's not National Nudes Day anymore, you can still here, do it. Here, There's a great here at, food, <laughs> here at Food for Thought, send Nudes Day every is day. 365 days a year, Mama. It's every okay. day. Yes. yes. Yes, we yes. need them. I could use a few more good nudes in my life right right about now for sure. So Absolutely. what do you want? What do you want in a nude friend? Do you want hard dick? Do you want soft dick? Do you want handheld? You know, do you want we, tripod action? We, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but like the, the big thing for me is like I don't want just the dick. Like dicks are yeah. ugly and like I don't want to look at just your dick. Like I, I need some context. I need body. I need a cute smile. I need something like I'm gonna I'm not gonna be a dick about it. Like I'm never gonna share your nudes or anything, you know. So mm-hmm. I just want you to look cute. That's all. And never just, underestimate the importance of a good lighting concept, all right? Because is very, yeah. we need to be able to see what you're trying to show us. Um, and so that, yeah, staging, lighting concept, I agree. <laughs> I like a hard right. dick, not a soft. What am I going to do with a softy? So show I mean, me what I hard, will be working Dennis. with. You'll get I, it hard is what you'll do with a softy. Okay, <laughs> I love a half. True, I'm good at that. Love I do too. I like, a, oh I like a nude with a soft or a halfy. I love a happy, but you know, make sure you get, as Dennis said, your full hair and makeup crew in there ahead of time <laughs> so that it looks camera ready. Do you have a preference <laughs> on cut or uncut? Uh, anybody who does is probably a body fascist, maybe a little racist, and yeah. uh, you should <laughs> I don't maybe think about what you consider preferences of a sexual organ, which is mm. so asinine and stupid. Same thing goes for vaginas and genitalia in between. Don't mm-hmm. care if you care that much about the aesthetics of like a, an organ that people cannot control. Fuck you. Yeah. What about Dennis still loves baby arm dick though? You know, well, okay. I do love baby arm dick, but I have to say that um, in 2019, I had a lot of sex with more moderate sized dick and it was really <laughs> great sex. So 
my I've I've been expanded in that way. But I want to know what you guys think about um, grooming down there because I've found that when it comes to pictures, I really don't care what the grooming situation is. I me neither. I like full bush. I don't like it too manicured. To be honest, that's just my thing. I I, I enjoy like oh natural full bush like balls out. You know what I'm talking about like the 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 preening situation. It just it's it's um, not my preference. I would say. I'm not gonna be turned off by full bush, but I love a manicured situation. I a keep, bush, I if keep, you will. I keep, I keep, I love a Kate bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I keep like, uh, I keep, I maintain my the hair on both my asshole and my pubic region very nicely. I have separate body hair trimmers to keep those intact, and I always make sure I look cute. Um, there, but that's just me. I, I I agree. I am a I'm a trimmer as well, and I appreciate a little trim. You know. Well, I am Tommy Teebs Pico, Indigenous American <laughs> poet, screenwriter, single, and not actively mingling. And I'm really worried, you guys, because I've been fucking myself so good in this quarantine. I'm worried that like no one's ever gonna do it to me the way I do it to myself. <laughs> that, and that's a problem. That doesn't that's sound correct. like a problem for that's you, Tommy. Not, not for like me. No. That's just factually correct. <laughs> We should all be so uh, lucky. I'm Fran. I'm a writer. I'm an editor. And uh, Shamika said I had potential. So <laughs> Tommy is the only one that will laugh at that because he's the only one who has listened to the new Fiona Apple album. I'm Joseph Osmonton, scientist, nonfiction writer, and it's 4.30, and I just popped my first bottle of Trader Joe's Blanc de Blanc, $6.00. Um, a sparkling French white. It is lovely. Oh, are you going Ew, to Trader Joe's wait. for quarantine? I'm sorry. Every single mm. adjective that <laughs> followed the descriptor of that wine got worse and worse. <laughs> Trader Joe's sparkling white. What's wrong yes, with you? It is That's actually disgusting. very nice. Six dollars. It's it's a it's a dry sparkling uh, French white wine. It's lovely. Do you identify right. with it? Mm. Dry, sparkling white. Just sparkling white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. The new, the new language on Joe's in, um, Grinder profile. You guys, I'm Dennis Norris II, and I'm a reader and a writer and a former figure skater. And just call me Capri Sun because I need someone to suck the juice out of my pouch. Oh God, damn it, Dennis! No, no, no! You got gross. <laughs> oh, somehow. <laughs> What? what does that mean? Oh my gosh. I'm shocked. I'm literally shocked. I don't know if I've ever seen Fran that shocked. Truly. That, you, Dennis, you became grosser than Joe. <laughs> you know, listen, quarantine is doing strange things. Okay. Beauty, beauty, Dennis. Um, but what it really Mwah. means is that I just want to go shopping and get some pairs of Capri pants. I just really want some Capri pants right now. Uh, Fran, are you too grossed out to give us the menu? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, today's episode is all about boundaries. Joseph. <laughs> boundaries. No. Uh, no. We are going to open up the show learning about Joseph's heritage. Love that. <laughs> and then he's going to give us a delightful little. COVID-19 update. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, forgive me for that one. And for dessert, for dessert, where is the body? Oh, I love that song. <laughs> Let's take it away. Let's take yes. it away, yes. Buck, 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 buck. 
<laughs> this chicken's feeling a little peckish. I think it's time we start the top of the show the way any good tab should, with a little uh, tease, our uproarious appetizer mm. segment, Amuse Bouche, into Amuse Arbouches. Uh, Joe has got a game for us, I believe. Yeah, so, you know, we've all been cooped up. And one of the things about being cooped up is that, you know, it's just for me, I'm like constantly watching the news. It's like, what else is there to do but stare out my window and watch the news on Twitter? Mm. And we have noticed uh, here at Food for Thought that white people are continuing to be very white. The wh- what's going uh, on with the whites? Are the whites are not just, okay. The whites are, are not okay. We are not okay. It's intervention time. <laughs> we need to be flown to a facility in Minnesota to heal. Uh, so, <laughs> So in this game, I'm going to read some headlines, and some of them are real, and some of them are fake, and you have to tell me what you think white people are capable of, okay? Gotcha. Yes. I'm a little worried because I really don't know what white people are capable of. No, point. no like, one does. It remains a mystery, but by all means, please continue. <laughs> Proceed. Okay, the first one. With picnics and few masks, demonstrators protest Virginia's stay-at-home orders. Man, all Real these people, are, they're going to get us all killed, aren't wow. they? Mm. Yeah, they I, are. Yeah. I, I fully believe that this is real. I mean, really? I've heard some wild and ass story. Did you see that one about that protester who said COVID-19 is alive, but he was in like a full surgical mask? I know! <laughs> these people are so crazy! <laughs> I mean... Uh, the Wisconsin official who said it was fine to go out and vote, but also showed up in a full surgical suit, mask, and gloves. Mm. I mean, did Mm-mm. everyone see that video of the woman who was leaving, like, church service, at, like, in a line of cars, and, like, someone was interviewing her? They're like, why are you at at church in a crowd? And she's like, I'm covered in covered Jesus' in blood. blood. Covered in Jesus' blood. I'm like, oh. what? Like, you are everything. Like, you're embarrassing Christians, right? Like, I'm not a Christian, it's and I'm embarrassed awful. for Christians right now. Yes, you yes, can yes. be covered in Jesus' blood at home. Be at that home. That is the moral of the story. Be at yeah. home. Blood is, blood is a biohazard. We don't yet know whether it transmits COVID. Probably not. But it is That's best right. not to cover oneself in blood anyway. Mm. Well, I mean, Jesus' blood is really just Pinot Noir. Ooh. So, Ooh. Sign me up, bitch. Oh, <laughs> Um, so I okay. would say that, yes, that headline sounds about white. Oh, it's sounds absolutely real. That's absolutely real. <laughs> with okay, picnics. next up. Demonstrating with picnics. Picnics and few masks. Mm. Uh, also, I love that this is white people's versions of activism. Like, let's have a picnic. <laughs> <laughs> if they experienced actual oppression, they would literally die. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. oh, yes. Okay, next up, next up, next up. Uh, let's do this one. Quote, COVID is the great equalizer says Madonna from a petal-filled bathtub. That sounds about white. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about Madonna, to be exact. I mean, it sounds also about Fran, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, First of all, I don't have a bathtub in quarantine right now, so thank you for triggering me and not holding space for the we don't have bathtubs. The tubless. The tubless. (laughs) Yes, the tubless. The tubless are a historically marginalized class. Please spread the word. no, I actually know the answer to this because I follow Madonna News very closely and it is 1,000% <laughs> white and correct. Yes, it is true. Yeah. That is that is a video that she yeah. posted. Um, all right, okay. Man, <laughs> So that one is correct. Man accused of breaking into closed New Haven restaurant and eating and drinking for days. <laughs> um, let's, you know, isn't producer Alex in New Haven right now? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, she is. What do you think, Alex? Is is this real or is this not real? 
Can you tell me? Well, I guess if you tell me what the restaurant is, then we'll know what it is. I think it's probably real. I think it's real. I think it's real too. I've had I've I'm thought about Alex. doing the same thing, and I'm not even white. so this is 100% real the quote from the article is managers estimate the loss of food and beverage is several thousand dollars this loss includes approximately 70 bottles of liquor that were consumed and it was for four days yeah I'm going to go ahead and say it's true because that was me but (laughs) 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 I mean 70 bottles in four days is kind of conservative I'd say for the quarantine I mean, if you're if you're only drinking Blanc de Blanc by Trader Joe's, it's it's very economical way to drink seventy bottles of alcohol. Getting fucked up for cheap. Mm-hmm. I will say that my greatest source of anxiety thus far in COVID has not been the food situation, but it's it's looking at my alcohol supply and on the days where it's lower, like that stresses me out more than anything else. <laughs> Oh, when they uh, when they closed the bars, all of a sudden, and I was like at Morgan's place, and she was like, mm-hmm. "They should have told us it was last call." <laughs> I know that's so true. <laughs> Give a bitch that's a so warning. True. Give a bitch a warning. Okay, next up, gay twinks for Trump founder held a coronavirus potluck party to help spread the coronavirus. Gay twink for Trump's founder. We mean Milo no. Yiannopoulos. It's not. Wait, it's we- not. It, I don't know. I, it what could be. It could be fake. Who be, knows? What would the motive be for spreading that? I because I that, really that, hope that this way is fake. We we get to yeah. um uh, we get to herd immunity immune. faster if we just oh let it go through the population God. and kill which everybody. Is, which is for the record incorrect. I just had a panic attack. Uh, and then sur- the survivors get to go on, and the economy isn't hurt. Uh, that panic sounds, attack, panic honestly, attack. that sounds about white to me. I, 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 I don't, the potluck part is what's, is, is what's tripping me up. So I'm going to say that is not true. I'm saying, I pray that it's untrue. It is a hundred percent true. Everyone at home, Google the, Google the gay twinks for Trump founder held a coronavirus pile. You just have to see a picture of the gay twinks for Trump founder because he is exactly who you think he is. Mm. He Mm -hmm. needs to be arrested. That's the community okay. is not okay. The community okay. is not okay. <clears throat> the next up, I think you guys are going to really like this one. Woman texts, uh, woman calls 9-11 multiple times to find out how to file for divorce. 911. No. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm that I just that was actually me, and I was trying to divorce you, Joe. I was trying to divorce myself from you and this project. Uh, yeah, that was that woman was calls 911 in quarantine several times. Uh, yeah, that sounds about white. That sounds about absolutely. white privilege. It that sounds really like sounds what a like white Karen. woman would do. Yes, Karen. With the cut, with the haircut, is definitely calling Karen. Absolutely. Oh my god, Karen culture. <laughs> with a bob, a, a bob. Her bob has gotten a little bit too long, and it's just throwing her. It's a Robert all now. Kinds of off. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely true. Damn, this one is absolutely true. All right, a couple more, a couple more. Michigan conservatives who are not concerned about COVID nineteen block an ambulance d- during their protest of social distancing. Ugh. Uh, okay, maybe this one is actually not true. This sounds about white. This I sounds know. about white. I believe it. Look at the world we live in. I'm sorry. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. If it's not true, it's just going to end up being not in Michigan. It was somewhere being, else. I being feel true like, of it. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. 
No, this one was true. They blocked the ambulance from getting, they protested at a hospital and blocked an ambulance whole from getting up into the hospital for like 20 minutes. Damn. That's horrible. That's horrifying. Mm-hmm. What is wrong mm-hmm. with the whites? The all whites right. are They're not all it. white. The call right. is coming from inside the we, house. They are not all right. And they are all white, unfortunately. Last one. Women, uh, sorry, woman allegedly attacked the boyfriend after he refused sex. I mean, that was me. Dennis, was that you? <laughs> that was me. I was that so white woman. So far, every single member of Food for Thought has been implicated in this game. So yes. thank you, Joe. I see what you're doing there, Joe. I see exactly what you're doing. <laughs> see, drag us, why don't you? Ooh, sounds about white. I believe this is real. I think that, yeah, I mean, it's going to end up being that they're all true, isn't it? They're all mm-hmm. actually true. I don't know. I don't know, Tommy. I don't know if that's <laughs> the game. <laughs> the news is so bonkers. You don't have to make anything up right now. And I'm going to say this happened in Florida it. or Vegas. I, uh, I took Florida. I took one word out of this headline, and that one word was Florida woman <laughs> allegedly attacked boyfriends <laughs> after he yes. refused sex. They I were a hundred percent true. All of these headlines, white people yeah. are wow. Uh, even more not okay now that they're actually being told what to do. They do not care for it. <laughs> they are acting up. Mm-hmm. This white is not what they home. signed on. No. This is not what they signed up for. No, nope. having to care about other people in society. No, <laughs> being told no. what to do and having to obey it. Or no. else, white people oh have not God. been practicing for this. No, no, no. no. Sorry. It's very girls weren't ready. Thank you for that. No, the girls were not ready. I don't know if you're welcome is the appropriate thing to say, but you're welcome. For our next segment, uh, we are going to have another course of Joe O, the science ho. Take it away, Joe. Yeah, so, you know, we did this, uh, the first Joe the Science Ho on the COVID crisis a, a while back, actually, when we were really at the beginning of this thing. And, um, you know, we didn't understand very much and we still don't understand very much, but we kind of wanted to check back in and um, give some updates because, uh, you know, this is this is a thing that is moving really quickly. Everyone really cares a lot about it and is watching it. But a lot of folks, even some journalists uh, who are covering this thing sort of don't have um the skills necessary to really tell what's a good study from what's a bad study and what to really trust and what to really not trust. Yeah, and if people uh, who were who were entrusting to deliver us information about this are sending mixed signals, how correct. do we know what the fuck is real and not? Correct. And so, you know, I'm on these basically we- daily calls with other activists, epidemiologists. It's really fun because I'm learning a lot. You know, my expertise is molecular microbiology, but I'm on calls like every day with uh, professors in epidemiology and people in um, public health. Uh, and so it's a really nice way to lend my expertise, but also to learn a shit ton. Uh, and so I wanted to first point out a lot of the things that I have been arguing about online all the time. Uh, there is no evidence. All these. So the other problem is that there are all these studies that are coming out that are not peer reviewed. People just dump research into um, what's called bio archive or med archive. And these papers are varying qualities and some of them are very bad. So mm. all of these papers sort of coming out saying uh, the virus can spread in the air and it is like on, on the bottom of nurses and doctors shoes. All of these studies are basically looking at the viral RNA, which is a marker of its genes, but not 
for infectious virus. So one of the big questions we still have actually is how infectious is the virus itself? We know that you can find RNA. So a person can test positive for the virus up to 30 or 40 days after they start showing symptoms. But we know from a very small study of only nine patients in Germany that uh, those people were actually only infectious for around 10 days, right? Mm. So you can test positive for the viral RNA even when you're not spreading the virus anymore. And so a lot of these studies out of Korea about patients like retesting positive and the journalists have been covering them as though they're either reinfected or the virus is reactivating, Mm. you can kind of take that out of your mind of worry. Right. Okay, the best okay. information we have right now is that this is not a virus that's likely to reactivate. And then the question of whether you can be reinfected by the virus is really still an open question that we don't know the answer to, but we think probably not, at least for some time. Mm. Right. And that's that information for the sake of folks like anxiety, not like... Yep. You're free to do whatever you want now. You know what I mean? It's you not like right. a get out of jail free card, take, you know, less precautions. It's we're, it's nope. just for, for your mental health. I, I've yeah, got a little, can I ask yeah. a question that piggybacks Please. kind of about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, if we're talking about like, this is something that we don't have an immunity for, does that mean every single person who gets exposed will develop the virus? Uh, we don't know. We don't know. It's it's very early on. We don't know, for example, what initial viral load you have to encounter to actually get ill. This virus is clearly pretty infectious, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's probably like HIV actually requires a, a large viral load to get infected. And that makes it a poorly infectious virus. This is not a poorly infectious virus. But we don't yet exactly know um, the answer to that to that question. We clearly see that... Um, Healthcare workers often are getting more severe disease than you would expect based on um, their age and pre-existing conditions. And one way that you can explain that is that by if, if when you're ill or you're starting to get ill, you get reinfected and reinfected then, that that sort of viral, high viral dose can lead to a severity of disease, which again just means benches stay home, yeah. right? Even right. If, you're, if you're ill or whatever, just because you're ill doesn't mean you can't be reinfected at that point or increase your viral dose, which might lead to a, a bad outcome. And Tommy, that's a really, I mean, that's that's a good question. And even though we don't know the answer for the virus, we do know that you need very large loads, for sure. <laughs> Tommy needs massive loads. I'm not going to lie. I need loads and loads, okay? Loads <laughs> up like loads. laundry, okay? <laughs> so I wanted oh to God. talk also about um, the testing situation because there's a lot of confusion about this. Um, the test that has been around so far and exists is a test for viral RNA, which is present when the virus is actively infecting someone. So you test positive for that virus when you have the infection. But there's a lot of talk about these antibody tests or serology tests or point of contact or point of care tests. These are basically antibody tests that test whether you have been infected. They're unlikely to actually catch you when you have the virus because it takes a while for your body to develop that antibody response that it's looking for. So these are more like, say you were in February, you you were sick, you didn't know if it was a cold, a flu, or COVID. You were told to stay home. You couldn't get tested. Well, now, actually, in April, you can go to um, you know, a clinical lab or a university health lab, and they actually want to test you. Because one thing that we, one way we might be able to treat this virus is with the, what's called the plasmid, so like basically the antibodies, the plasma, of patients who have recovered. So that shows some uh, effect effectivity in the clinic of giving very sick people antibodies from healthy people who have recovered. And in New York, they're starting to test for serology and, um, and 
collect plasma from sick people. Uh, now, all of that being said, uh, for our particular audience, uh, gay men are still not allowed to donate plasma because of the gay blood ban. Mm. Um, we aren't sure right now whether they're actually uh, the university labs that are doing these plasma trials are testing uh, gay men for antibodies or not because they can't ultimately donate their plasma. So one thing the activist group I'm working with is trying to do is make sure that the academic partners in New York who are doing these antibody tests are actually willing to test gay men. Um, they're super backlogged, so if you live in New York, it might take some persistent effort to, to contact um, these university researchers, uh, but uh, if you do keep contacting the people at Mount Sinai who are doing uh, serology testing, you can't. You will be able to ultimately get, hopefully, get your serum tested for and, having and, been ill. Tommy, uh, do you okay? And, and based on that, like, what in, in your in your activist group and your, as you're talking to these people, what are like the yeah. best guesses for when a vaccine would be available? Vaccine um, will, will be going, we actually know the timeline pretty well. Uh, it'll be going into large number of patients uh, in clinical trials in the fall and could be available for initial rollout early 2021. That's about as expedited as it can go. And then the problem is, so that is assuming that the vaccine works, right? There are some viruses that, uh, that you get good protection by a vaccine for the infection. And there are other viruses that you don't get good protection, protection by a single vaccine, like flu, right? Flu is a tough virus to make a vaccine for. We have indications that we think that the COVID vaccines are likely to be effective, but we don't know. And we, again, don't even know whether um, patients, so patients who have recovered, um, most of them do mount an antibody response that you can detect. These antibodies are both a marker of infection, but they're also used to protect against uh, reinfection by the same virus. It's that second part that we don't yet even know if these antibodies actually protect against. And probably in about six months' time, we'll have a better indication of that. Uh, and I'll just say, you know, that we expect them to be, we hope them to be, that would make a vaccine work. And that would also mean that if you have... Um, been infected, you, you know, and especially if you're a healthcare worker, for example, and you've been infected with COVID and recovered, you would be, could easily go to the front lines of the ICU and you would not be personally at risk of getting the virus or giving that virus to your family any longer. Hmm. How has your group responded to the government's plan to open up um, after May 1st? So we are a New York City and state-based group. Uh, so, you know, our advocacy goes to the federal government level as well, but mostly we're working uh, on pressuring Cuomo and de Blasio to make science and public health based decisions instead of thinking so much about the goddamn uh, tax it's revenue funny, or business yeah. people or whatever. Uh, and so we are, you know, we're constantly pressuring for the scientists to lead. There are great epidemiologists in the city and they're great epidemiologists and modelers in our academic community here in New York City. And they are working their asses off to get us information about exactly this, right? But, you know, we need the government for some things. We need them to scale up testing and we need the feds for that. So it's sort of, we're supporting, you know, the government at all levels when they make good decisions decisions and then we're we're both pressuring them to make science based and not dumb fucking monopoly money based decisions and then also like trying to show them what we know we need based on science to actually um you know stop the social distancing at this level uh, and tell them where where the pinch points are and try to show like here's what we need to get this done kind of from a science and activist uh point of view. It's been a really frustrating uh, process, to be honest with you. When is the earliest that you're going to the gym? <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm probably not going to the gym until there's a vaccine. Mm. The gyms are actually in um, Trump's plan 
uh, slated to be tier one. They're slated to open I know, before I schools. Saw that. I was like, God damn. But like, the <laughs> thing is, like, open all before of- schools? Yes. Open before schools, gyms, That's yes. That's insane. He don't even use a gym himself. What he trying to make it a priority for? I was just going to say, for all the listeners, in case there's anybody that's just for everyone, it is a total fantasy. Like, just to be utterly clear, everything that Trump has put forth in this plan, and like, maybe it'll change like with the next few weeks. I doubt it. It is a total fantasy. So there's nothing from this that you should take as like fact, value, hope, something to like put your to like put stock into. Like ignore it. Listen to every like other people. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Just wanted to be utterly clear. Yeah, that you can't trust any single bit of information that's coming from the federal government right now. Not even the CDC and NIH. To be honest with you. Mm. Wow. Uplifting. You're welcome. <laughs> and on that note, thank you, Joe. Um, Tommy takes loads. <laughs> oh my god. Mm, it's time we got to the meat of our discussion, the thought process spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. <laughs> oh, it works when there's just one of us doing it. <laughs> and the look of desperation on everyone's face. <laughs> to sling our baby our meat this week, it's none other than Dennis Norris II, nobody's junior. <laughs> Listen, always slinging the baby arm. What else, is, what else do we got? Um, listeners, within this messy ass murder of thoughts that you inexplicably listen to um, are four rather different philosophies around boundaries. As people from marginalized communities, we are often asked to ignore our own boundaries for the sake of other people. We're Mm. often asked to educate people to better their understanding of our plight and to look out for others who are like us. And often we assume these roles because we know it's important for the common good, especially for the people like us. When the four of us met at our Thought Home, the Tin House Summer Workshop, we were four of the most visible queer people. um, And our banding together quickly only solidified this further, which is why after two days, we created our own sparkly rainbow boundary. And we didn't feel bad about it. In essence, we quit the straight people. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) I've never told these thoughts this, but that week was a shining example of what it meant to put my own queer well-being before opening someone else's mind. But I later realized upon reflection that I'd been doing this for much of my life in varying, in various ways, in various places and to varying results. Um, this extends to all facets of our lives, our families, our friends, our workplaces and schools and how we even engage with social media. So my dears, as we explore each other's boundaries, I want to know what are some of the boundaries you've put in place in your life and that you rely upon to stay sane? I had to leave the res. <laughs> I had to leave my parents. I just had to do it. I had to get away. Um, and, and, you know, I'm fine. I mean, the problem is now in the quarantine, uh, because I am going to be at the house, I don't have any other excuse. I'm literally not traveling, going anywhere, doing much of anything. Um, people feel weirdly more entitled to my time than before. Uh, and that is just something like... Um, you know, in terms of responding to text messages, in terms of responding to emails, like da da da, da I feel like I, I, there is initially like a kind of buffer where I wasn't getting any requests or any emails or anything, and it was such a blessedly quiet time. And mm-hmm. now the cacophony has started up again, and everyone's now more than evering, and like you know the new normaling and all that kind of stuff. And it's just it feels like. Um, I've had to erect a different kind of boundary in quarantine, which was like mm-hmm. literally not getting on technology. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you 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 were off for. I mean, you you go on and off, you know, <laughs> quite a lot. 
yeah in terms of the, the social media um I don't have boundaries. <laughs> uh, wow, we are no, the same. I, 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 I'm like, uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll get into this later, but I'm very like a, I'm a yes and or a yes but. It's very difficult for me to say no. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I think that there are a lot of things that have happened to me over the last few years where I was just like, I actually benefit from saying yes to things even when I'm unsure. And so now my kind of default is to say yes or a yes, but. And so from there, I think that when I think about boundaries in the past that I've practiced, it's not so much like I'm saying no to this. I'm putting up a wall here. It's more like I will comply with what you want from me under the condition that, and those conditions Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. a part of the boundary. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, thinking about relationships with, my parents or my family, similar to Tommy, where I, I'm like still trying to keep up and, you know, be a family member. But at the same time, um, I have compliances. You know what I mean? I don't know what I'm trying What to does it that. take to get you to say no, Fran? Oh my God. Um, I'd have to Would be, you interview I, Milo? <laughs> um, if I feel like I'm, oh my God, ew, I have a spine. I have a, I'm not fucking, <laughs> I'm fucking spineless. I mean, I have, I think having an ethical or moral center is not the same thing as having boundaries. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I think that those are two totally separate, you know, um, those are two different, um, flow charts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like, what does it take? That's a great question. What does it take for me to say no? If someone doesn't know my value or worth that it, or, or is not taking it seriously, I think that's a really easy way for me to say no. I don't give my time, energy, space to people that I don't feel deserve it or have taken it into full account. So I do say no. Um, but I think that having a standard for yourself is, I think the boundaries and you know we can get into this later but boundaries can be such a buzzword you know what i mean the way i think about boundaries is different than the way i think about how i say no does that make sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i what um you? i I like, like you, Fran, I have no boundaries, but unlike you, I also do not value myself. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's been, <laughs> it's been uh, it, it has been a journey uh, for me on this front. I also, I mean, in, in a more serious note, um, it's a really hard thing for me because uh, it is true for me that caring for other people it also makes me feel good. Like I'm a person who enjoys and gets positive affect from being emotionally supportive to my friends. What's that like? Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's great because you build, ideally you build friendships that are mutually caring, right? That the other person has that same attitude towards you and you have that attitude towards them and you both have healthy boundaries for when you can't give care. Mm. The problem is that I didn't for a long time, I would feel guilty if I couldn't, if I could, if I was too tired or too busy or, or unable to show up for someone in the way that they were asking me to, I would feel really guilty. And I still do feel a little guilty, but that led to me being emotionally depleted in a way that I cannot even express. Yeah, like, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. like emotional depletion to the point where I'm no longer able to function. Mm, and yeah. uh, I have done that before a lot in my life. And therapy oh, has yeah. really showed me that like, no, actually, you know, it's not, it's not you don't have to feel guilty for not being able to meet someone's needs if you're doing as much as, as what you can healthfully for yourself. Right. And yeah. total self-exhaustion doesn't make you a virtuous person. 
No, <laughs> no it, 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 and it makes you unable to give that care, right? Or inconsistent in it. It's like you have to disappear for a long period of time and that will be hurtful to the person as opposed to just saying like, oh, hey, I can't actually talk on the phone tonight for an hour and a half to, to, to talk you through what you're going through because I have to care for myself tonight, but we'll do this some, you know, tomorrow or some other day. Um, but then I'm able to give that care in ways that are healthy for both of us and don't have to, you know, lose the relationship or separate from my, myself from the relationship for a time. Have you guys had yeah. that experience of having that one friend who's like going through a shitty relationship or a bad breakup or something and you end up having the same discussion with them over and over and over I'm and that friend, over Tommy. and over again? That's me. <laughs> Oh, Tommy, that's right. talking about me. <laughs> that is true. I remember that period of our of our iteration when you really were that friend. Um, I've oh, I've totally had that friend many times, and I it's interesting because I have friends in my life who will say like as a boundary, like like I've given you my advice, I've told you my opinion, like I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, and I earlier on thought that I could be that friend and that I needed to be that friend, but I've found that. Um, I feel better if I know that I'm always available to people to sort of talk to them or counsel them or listen to them, even if I'm saying the same thing over and over again. And I also mm -hmm. like have had more experience now. And like, I've been that person where I'm like, I know I'm making a bad decision by like sleeping with this guy who's only going to treat me like shit or do or whatever. But I it's also so fun, know, though. right. Right. But I no, also know I'm going to do it. And I know not. I'm going to go through <laughs> the, the drama and all of that. And I need people to, um, be there for me. So that's really important to me. And I found other ways to preserve, um, to preserve my like energy swells. But one thing that has, that, that I'm grateful for, um, in terms of growing up as the child of a leader in the black church was that boundaries were never an unfamiliar, um, word for me or concept for me. Like there mm -hmm. was a certain sense of like, we our family is in this sort of somewhat front-facing, public-facing position. And so there are certain things that are okay, and there are certain things that are not okay, and there are certain things that are okay in the home, and there are certain things that are not okay mm -hmm. in the home. And mm -hmm. then because I spent so much of my childhood and teenage years, like, training in places where that was also really important. So like in classical music and figure skating where presentation is so important um, and how you're perceived, like I've just always kind of understood that, but kind of um, learning that I could create boundaries in order to be beneficial for me and for my mental health, like that is what came much later. That's what mm. had to sort of develop. I, Dennis, I, I have a, I have a, a point about that, that sort of one of the biggest things that I did in, in terms of increasing my boundaries through going to therapy was, you know, uh, I would, I was often the friend who would go to my friends and, and have the same story about the same man and keep making the same choices. I actually made a boundary for myself around that. I'm that boundary was don't date people who make you feel bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. And it well, sounds so simple. <laughs> it is very simple. <laughs> it sounds so simple. I will never but, forget yeah. the one time you you were in that trip about that man and um, you had me and Whitney over for dinner and you started yeah. talking and we both, me and Whitney looked at each other and we were like, Joe, <laughs> you can't say that anymore. And I was like, oh, I feel so reinforced right now. <laughs> yes. Like, what? Um, oh. Yeah, I don't so really have real. boundaries, but I have issues. That's what I have. They're intimacy oh issues. They're not boundaries. <laughs> intimacy uh, challenges. Yeah. What's Tommy, the difference, Tommy? <laughs> Tommy, Tommy's energy is like very like Shonda Rhimes' year of no. You know oh what I mean? God. 100%. Shonda oh Rhimes' year of no. Mariah Tom. Carey. Mariah Carey, it's, it's a no-no. No-no. 
No, I said uh, no. I just said no, 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 no. Let me tell you, there are a lot of good boundaries, Bob. You know what I mean? Like if you fit, like say, uh, yeah, it's yes boundaries by Beyonce. Bobs. Yes, boundaries, oh. Bob. Say, uh, have you ever heard it? the song "Yes" by Beyonce? Is iconic. Literally, mm-hmm. the entire song is about consent and like what when no means no. But also, if you think about it, goodies is kind of the mm. consent, Bob. You know, it's it's saying like you want my goodies, you can't have them. Like fucking love that coding. song. Oh they're my in god, the jar, you can't. <laughs> it's I, I don't know. I just I, 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 I'll, I'll, uh, there's a big genre of like hip hop and R and B that are like low key boundary spots. Talk that talk by Rihanna. That's mm-hmm. about consent. You know what I mean? That's right. Tell me what you want me to do, and I got you. But you got to tell me. And I'm like, oh, yes, yeah. bitch, I love that song. Oh, <laughs> no so scrubs good. and bills, bills, bills are both about boundaries. That's right. Opinion. That's yeah. right. There's or their at least, whole anthem. knowing your word. You know, the, mm-hmm. on the on the the topic of bills, 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 or and also you know what things that Joe is saying. What can? What are the different? What to you are the differences between having boundaries and having a certain standard for yourself, or maybe having boundaries and saying no? Or how do you? What yeah. what are boundaries and what are not boundaries? You know what I mean? Because to me, it boundaries has become yet another buzzword that mm-hmm. has like entered the zeitgeist, right? Similar to like self care or imposter syndrome or representation. Like people sometimes use these cultural touchstones that they read about in tweets or like think pieces to justify not so cute actions sometimes. Yeah. Oh my God. Boundaries, yeah. mm-hmm. boundaries are really, really important for people to have, but if they're, but when misunderstood can make you a failure of a friend or a failure of someone who holds space for others. Right. Or if you're just, just using them is, as an opportunity to like have, um, to, to continue toxic patterns of behavior, like that's right. just, that's um, a, a mech, that's a coping mechanism. That's not or a Or if you're using boundaries simply because you don't want to show up for someone who you yeah. actually should show up for, that can be, you know, really, uh, that can be tough. And, and that's not to say that boundaries aren't real. It's just that I think that they're more nuanced than we usually, they should be more nuanced than we give them credit for. One thing that I've noticed that we haven't um, talked about in this conversation is the difference between boundaries in our pri- in our private lives and in our intimate lives and boundaries in our professional lives, Ooh. right? Mm-hmm. Where like yeah, knowing your worth is really important in your professional life and it has a dollar value to it and saying no to projects that aren't going to pay you your worth, et cetera. But bills, bills, bills isn't about that, right? It's about getting a man to pay your bills, which is <laughs> in a way, you know, like we can talk about whether that's a, a feminist uh, sort of a, a feminist mode of behavior or not. But, you know, I, I, for one, I really have a hard time um, dealing with money in my private life and expecting people to sort of pay for dinner or pay for me to show up or any, you know, any of those sort of sort of power dynamics around money in my private life. But in my freelance work, like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to write for your blog for free, you know? Right, so I right, think, right. I think mm-hmm. applying the word boundaries to all these different worlds is a way that it gets a little, a little confused. Uh, and and it's, you just have to clarify what it is you're, exactly you're talking about. Okay, I think I've said on this podcast before many times that, and everyone knows that I, I know my worth and therefore like I'm never going to take on unpaid projects. And I do, you do ask me to do something for you paid. I, it's usually a bit of a back and forth before we get to where we, we need to be, but I will do anything for queer and trans independent creatives for free. Like if, if uh, I will exactly. I will consult on your project for free if we have a rapport, if we know each other, I will show up for you every time because that is, you know, part of how, that is just the boundary that I create. It makes me happy. I think it's helping spread a certain kind of wealth because my, my time is worth a certain amount in an hour. Um, but I think beyond that, you know, I, uh, I, I personally, when it comes to like public life boundaries, I don't talk about 
my relationships anymore in a public space. I don't know if people who listen to this podcast have noticed over the last like year mm-hmm. or so that I don't, I no longer talk about my relationships. I think I've kind of, at least current, I don't talk about my current relationships rather, I talk mm. about a lot of past ones, but like I've just learned the hard way that, you know, people that I hold close and people that, um, you know, love me don't always want to be a part of my public persona. Oh, so I think I we've just, all probably learned a little bit of that. Yes, and, that's, <laughs> yes. and that is their boundary. That's yep, their boundary. Yep. And, you know, I, I honor that if I respect them. And it's also because yeah. when we started this, I mean, I don't, and I continue to be in denial that we even have a listener. You know what I mean? And so it's like, in hey, my listener. mind, when we're in this chat, when we're in this Zoom or we're in the studio, I'm with three, I mean, four really good friends. You know what I mean? And that's that's how I'm able to, um, that, that's how I'm able to, to, to produce and, and without self-consciousness and, and, and without intimidation. It's only later that, I mean, it's over the years that I've had to learn how to be both open and discerning. Open yeah. and discerning is a great yes. way to put it, Tommy. It's really, I mean, it's really hard for me as someone who's a nonfiction writer mostly and who, uh, you know, writes about, I, I write about my own life. Like people who are in my life see themselves in my work. One thing I've realized is that people who are in your life, if you have tension with them in a relationship, they'll see themselves in your work, whether you put them in your work oh, yes. or not. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. uh, it sort of just yep. serves as a proxy for whatever tension is in your relationship already. Um, and so in my current relationship, it's just, uh, I found someone who's, whose boundaries around that are, are, like, are like loose. He doesn't mind, uh, you know, being uh, talked about on the show or whatever. He doesn't mind showing up in the work. And, and so that has been a good way for me to like figure out what partner works for the set of, you know, boundaries that I've set for myself and my professional work is very important to me. And my writing is important to me. And I do talk about my personal life in it. So it sort of is like, it's allowed to be a deal breaker for people. You know, mm. people are allowed yes. to not want that. Yep. And then exactly. to say, I don't want to date someone who's going to be like that. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, we might like each other, but we're not probably compatible for a relationship. And oh, that, that sucks. Yeah. And Woo. that's, but it's also, that's also really mature and really honest. And I kind of take a similar approach. Like I, um, like Tommy, th- that sort of balance that you're talking about in terms of navigating the fact that like when we're recording, we feel like it's our own sort of sacred safe space that we've created that that houses our friendship, but also there's all of these people sort of on the outside literally listening in. Like balancing that can be really challenging. And I know that for me, it's really important that I show up to the mic in a very honest and open way. And I don't necessarily want listeners to feel um, to feel like there are a whole bunch of boundaries in the way that I'm approaching mm-hmm. um, the medium. And so it can be really difficult. And I haven't really had to navigate yet a relationship with someone who like didn't want to be um, spoken about. Maybe if I told the whole truth about like how they treated me, they probably wouldn't like that. And I don't always do that. But um, most people have been pretty open and flexible about it. But it's been it's a really challenging conversation to navigate. Dennis, I feel like you never are anyone other than exactly Dennis. Like the way you <laughs> yeah. were shitting on your former so job. <laughs> like, so like it could literally yes. have taken away your your money, your job. And you were just like, let me, it was like, it felt, I feel like the boss of your former job is like your personal Carol Baskin. <laughs> she, oh my God, she was, she was literally the worst, but it's oh, really interesting. I thought you were going to be like, she is my idol. I adore her. Like, oh no, it was, that was, that is a relationship that ended badly, but, um, but yeah, I, I was like, well, that was, but that was someone, and that was a place where I didn't really care because I felt like I was telling the truth. But if I care about you, I'm way more willing to respect 
a boundary that you ask from me, mm. but it's also really important to me to not feel silenced and to not feel like I, like, I don't want to feel like I can't share my story from my perspective mm-hmm. and in my way. And so that's a boundary that I'm still, as much as I'm, I try to come to this openly and honestly, I'm still working on making sure I'm like always strong enough to know when, when that is and when I feel like I can talk honestly. Mm-hmm. This, you said something really interesting, and it made me ask a, have a question for the group. You said that you, you know, you respect boundaries of people when you respect them. Actually, so there's a relationship between your respect for someone and whether or not you know you will build a boundary for them, or whether or not you'll respect their boundaries. Is, like, what's that for everybody else? Is there a, a, a relationship between your level of respect for someone and then your boundaries around them? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, for sure. Ge- in general, I would say that like. It just it, but but the but the respect I think that comes with a knowing, and that knowing mm-hmm. comes with kind of like having inquired or learned some in some roundabout way what the other person's boundary is and respecting it, or assuming the like, I don't know. I feel like I I, I don't name names anymore because of that. Like I I'll mm-hmm. tell stories and situations, but I don't have I don't keep the names or anything like that. Or mm-hmm. I'll, I'll you know fuzz fudge the details a little bit. I think outside of like respect, I wouldn't say respect, but I think that the rap- a rapport that you have with someone kind of mm. differentiates how you decipher certain people's boundaries. Uh, and, and I think this, obviously, I'm going to leave like sexual boundaries out of this conversation. Like those to me should be mm-hmm. very black and white. Um, but what, what I have a lot of friends who, you know, hold their guards really high. They put their walls up really high or they put their guards on really tight um, even if we know each other really, really well, who mm-hmm. I really have to probe in there to get to, to like get them to open up or to get them to admit something or to help them out. And mm-hmm. what they think might be a boundary is actually a coping mechanism or totally. something or something that they're using to just not be because they don't they don't want to do emotional labor. Or mm-hmm. They don't want to be they don't want to be vulnerable you mm-hmm. and totally. obviously again that's with someone you really 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 know that you be mm-hmm. you're able to decipher and maybe cross over what someone else might be consider a boundary which i do a lot i'm kind of like i'm an incisive friend and if you finally tell me like back off like i will but i i'm in i think i'm incisive and intuitive enough where if i detect that you actually really do want to tell me about something that you have this kind of fake quote-unquote boundary up which is why i'm saying let's nuance the word boundary i think it's overused. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I probe in there. Mm. You like mm-hmm. to probe, huh? <laughs> yeah. I like to probe. Like to probe. Wow. Get two fingers in there. Top. <laughs> two fingers in there. Three fingers. I <laughs> I have said over and over again, Los Angeles has turned me into a top. But anyways, <laughs> mm. I mean, it's it's so interesting. I also have learned to have a red flag around people with no boundaries, and I think I mentioned this on the show uh, a couple weeks ago when I was like, uh, you know, it made me feel really good when I would date someone, and like they were so open that like on the first date, I found out about all of their traumas, um, but. You know, but that actually it can be a mark of trauma itself, where it's like you overshare with people who haven't earned it yet, mm-hmm. uh, and so that just that for me has become a total red flag. Like I'm very open as a person; I don't have a lot of boundaries, and I'm not guarded in that way. You're talking about, friend, but I'm also not going to tell you like every bad thing that's happened to me on my first date. I'll just tell you some of the bad things that have happened to, to me. The second one, let's, LMAO, Joe, let's be real. On the first date, you are reading like your book out loud to them. Are you kidding me? Yes. Yeah, right. You're, you're going to sing her and pretend like you have some sort of like threshold for sharing deep 
personal traumas. Oh my God. Anyways. I mean, your Twitter, I your Twitter, come on. I do, I do, I do. I'm not, <laughs> my Twitter isn't, that's not my dating persona though. I'm very charming. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call it. Okay, vocabulary. Yes, yes. Let's go to dictionary and see what that means. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that there, boundaries are very interesting in in the in the world of Verona because mm. I mean, yesterday was the first I was day I've left. In a, yeah, I mean, because like, okay, my I'm in my apartment. I've been in here for the past 35 days. <laughs> like, this is a physical boundary. I went outside yes. for the first time, in a long time. You know, just seeing everybody in their masks and and then. And and, and 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 very intentionally staying far away. It's just, mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting, surreal experience now. Yeah. Yeah, I was at yeah. the store uh, to cook a big meal and uh, the guy behind me was talking on his phone and was, was like a foot behind me to the point where his basket was on the floor and it kept touching the back of my leg. And he did have a mask on, but he was also talking about working on the COVID unit. And I was just like, I was so like my boundaries were being so crossed and it mm-hmm. felt unsafe and I was uncomfortable. I like I did ultimately talk to him, but it, I didn't even want to turn around because if I turned around, like he was facing you, yeah. my back. Yeah. So that's safer. I didn't want to turn around because then he'd be facing my face and that close to me. But it was, I, I have never felt a physical, but that's not true, but I've only rarely felt in that context. Like, you know, people have crossed my physical boundaries by like touching me in a bar, but this was just like physical proximity. And I was about to lose it, girl. This guy I, once yeah. put, his hand, he put his hand out to shake my hand like a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "We don't do that anymore." <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We may never do I, that again. Didn't Doctor Fauci I, say we should not yeah. shake hands anymore? Ever again, Doctor Fauci. Um, we, you know, Joe, I, I, de- I definitely experienced some of that at a grocery store as well. But beyond physical boundaries, which I think are are pretty clear in the age of COVID, I think that you know we're now figuring out. what time do we owe people when Mm -hmm. everyone has a billion hours of free time? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a lot, I have now people reaching out to me asking for projects or, or friends that I don't really talk to anymore who, who want to like get on the phone or or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't have an excuse for that. I know. (laughs) Previously, previously I could say all my calendars and I still stay very busy in the time of COVID, but like my calendar is way more free I'm usually out seven nights a week. Now my calendar's way more free. How do I create a boundary with people that I don't want to share time and space with? I haven't had any other answer than to just not respond. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I don't do that. I I, I respond to everybody. Um, Even my D, I respond to even DMs. Like, you know, but like I, um, for me, it's just been, I think it's less about boundaries and more about quarantine really concretizing your relationship to the people that matter most to you and the people that maybe don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, I and agree. I, yeah. And I think that, you know, we can, I can FaceTime anybody that asks, sure, but I'm not going to really st- be, that's just the way emo- energy works is you're depleting yourselves for others that matter, matter most. Yeah. yeah. So I think that it's helped me reorient my own social life and the people that I consider um, my inner circle. I, and Joe, in your professional scientific opinion, when can the girls start to get it in again? It's, I mean, I think we're going to have to have these conversations just like the one Dennis is talking about, where if you invite anyone into your home or your life, it, it, it's like, uh, you know, it, 
hooking up is is going to be bad in the time of COVID, but having a trusted partner who you communicate super duper openly about, uh, about what their risk is and about what your risk is and how you're managing it and how you're going to get to one another's home without taking public transportation or an Uber and all of these things. I think if, if you can have those conversations with people, you know, that is the safest way to be intimate with another person right now if, if you don't live with someone. So, uh, you know, People and that's the thing is people are gonna have sex, right? And so, uh, you know, we sort of, from a public health point of view, have to plan for and give people tools to do it in the healthiest and safest way possible for themselves and for the rest of us. Full body um, condoms. Full. Listen. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> wrap yourself up in saran wrap. Yeah, yeah. With just the outbreak suits, like hugging in the outbreak suits. Oh my god! Yeah, just a hazmat suit, but with the ass cut out. <laughs> Stocking up. <laughs> we do know that the viral RNA that's found in the butt is not infectious virus. So go on. There we go. Eat up. Oh. Eat up, ladies. Eat up. Mm, I'm feeling like I'm full, but I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. Not anymore. <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> perfect <I'm so> <laughs> uh, and this week the cherry on the top of our episode is Tu Wong Fu which you can screen now on Netflix I believe yes yeah, yes. There. yes. Uh, what was it 94 yeah. right 95 I watched 95. it last night with Bay. yeah I mm-hmm. loved that movie when it came out first of all RuPaul is in it as a drag queen named Racial Tension <laughs> yes <laughs> that is so fucking it is easily so his best performance absolutely it's his best absolutely. performance I don't know who he is, but if there's a snowstorm tonight, he's going on my tires. (laughs) (laughs) The best of real. But if you're not familiar with this film, it's the story of three drag queens who leave a pageant. Sorry, they they go across the country to compete in a pageant. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. They 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 compete in a pageant in New York and win and lose, et cetera. And then they all they have to drive together to LA to to the finals. And And then their car breaks down in a very small town. Yeah, it's kind of like a um like a sideways American remake of Priscilla Queen of the Desert a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I mean the amazing thing about it, I remember watching it in the nineties when I was growing up when like honestly gay culture in my hometown was like zero. There was nothing it was like this and the birdcage were the movies from my childhood that showed me like what was possible so at that time i was just like completely blown away and i hadn't seen the movie again until i watched it last night with bay and it was so i mean it was just like the levels of stuff that was happening we were both like what is going on it's like drag queens who are always in drag Right. It's like imagining that. Imagining. Imagining. Literally just. Always. That's not drag queen. That's search. Trans women. No, I'm like, I'm so. So it's like, it's like, and and then it's like a a black drag queen, a white drag queen, and a a Latinx drag queen. And they, and and they they go together, but they're always in drag. And so it's like, it was, you know, we were just like, what (laughs) is that? And it's like very unclear if other people can tell they're drag queens or not. And it changes throughout the movie. But that, you know, they, they, have this like amazing positive effect they overcome the homophobias you know and it's just like they do makeovers on on the ladies of the town and it, it, it's joyous if you can like turn your critical brain off for just like an hour and yeah. 15 minutes uh 
and and just give it, the performances are pretty good, although it hurts a little bit to see three straight men. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the politics these, like, of it haven't evolved. <laughs> uh, yeah, haven't the aged way well. that, yeah. <laughs> but um, I I remember I watched it with my brother, and it was shortly after he came out of the closet, and mm-hmm. um, and this was in '95, and I remember it was like something that I that that we could share. You know, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. I mean, yeah, and like you said, like the dearth of representation at the time was such that this is the only thing available. Um, and you know, Stockard Channing does a great performance. Oh, uh, Michael so Vartan so is good. like a local, like street tough who gets um, his balls grabbed by Wesley Snipes. He's drag. so hot. He's, He's really hot. So hot. <laughs> the local, the local tufts. And I, I would like to note that at the end of the movie, the local tufts are. Tufts are all wearing like uh, Daisy and, Dukes yeah. and boas, and they're like dancing gaily, but they're not gay. They're just they're that they're, they're accepting now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But they they're are just so hot. the The cast is incredible. It is stacked. Everyone is, is in that movie. Is. Everyone is in that movie. Um, one of my one of my favorite comedic um actresses, Beth Grant, is hilarious in that movie as well. And if you you probably don't know her if I just say the name, but if you Google Beth Grant, you all will have seen her in a thousand and one things and she's hilarious and awkward. But in this movie, um it's so hard to imagine Michael Barton being like a street tough um because he like seems like the nicest guy, but he is. I'm just obsessed with the drama of the storyline between how um how the drag queens come in and kind of save everyone in the town, even though it's a little bit of like the sort of magical queer narrative. Oh, it totally is that. Um, which is like a, th- a product of that time, but it's still like really joyous and super fun. The movie is hilarious. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. And my relationship with it um, is that I'd never even heard of it until I was a senior in college. And my like, my, my first like very close gay friend or where like when we met, we knew we were gay. Um, is a friend from college, my friend Jimmy, and we lived in a suite with our other gay ass friends senior year. And every Thursday night, Jimmy was like, okay, we're gonna watch like these old gay movies. And so we watched these movies about old white women like Fried Green Tomatoes. Um, oh, and and um, I'm forgetting movie, uh, Still Magnolias. Uh, and we also watched Too Wong Fu. And I was like, I can't believe this was made in freaking 1995. Like at the time, it, it feels like it was probably really progressive and that it had Hollywood... Um, stars like Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo were like playing these roles. I couldn't even imagine that being done in 2008. And I mean, beyond that, in in 94, 95, AIDS was the leading cause of death death, for for Americans. And this was greenlit by Steven Spielberg's production company. So, So if you, I mean, again, there are problematic elements to this film, but if you think about it within the context of its history, very ahead of its time. And honestly, if you are to turn your critical brain on, I think that for me, I love drag so much. I'm so unapologetic about it. But what I love about drag is that it it really, it has no gender. It excludes no one. It, It really does encapsulate and embody any kind of queer or even straight people who want to partake in the art of drag. And um, what something that I love about it is that it is truly a celebration of and fucking of gender and all of its baggage. So when you see yeah. this film that celebrates womanhood and has these men in drag teaching other women how to be women, you know, I think there's mm-hmm. something. It's it's silly and stupid, and if you think about it too much, it airs on you're like, oh, about I don't know about this. But to me, the roots of drag are about making you become something that you couldn't think you could be. 
That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's just mm -hmm. the impetus of what that art form does. And, the, and within the context of this movie, they disseminated that self-empowerment to an yeah. entire town. And I think that's just drag at its, at its best. Yeah. Hmm. Little Latin boy in drag, why are you crying? <laughs> I know. It's so good. Where oh. is the body? That is my favorite song. Well, not my, it's one of my top three song pepper songs, but that is a um, fantastic song. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our home at iHeartRadio. Our producer is currently sending me snippets from Tracy Anderson's Wikipedia page, Alexandra De Palma. <laughs> our production manager is bringing grasshopper mouse energy into 2020, Elizabeth D. Our social media manager has been listening to the new Fiona Apple at record for the past 24 hours, Christina Tucker. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or else Dennis's back butt is closed for good. Help me. <laughs> Save me. I am Tommy Teebs Pico. That's uh, H-E-Y-T-E-B-S on all relevant social media. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.blancdeblanc.com. From Trader Joe's.com. Stop it. <laughs> I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishco on all social media you want. And I'm Dennis Norris II, and you can find me on Twitter at the Earl Denden, T H E E A R L D E N D E N. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for a newsletter to see a list of everything we're reading and some extra delightful content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and yes, dick, dick pics. pics. The thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com or in my DMs, frankly. As always, that's food, <laughs> the number four, and thought spelled how? T H O T. You guys, you guys, we had that. We had that. Oh, oh it was me. I fucked it up. Alex, I'm sorry. It was sorry. so close. Alex, can you fix it in post? No, no. <laughs> Alex, leave it broken. <laughs>